Welcome back to the Don't Knock It podcast, where we address misconceptions about Jesus' character, his church, and his word. By doing this, we hope to encourage you to delight in Christ before dismissing him, to know him before knocking him. I'm your host, Chris Ramirez, and today I am joined by my lovely wife, Carolyn, um, and we will be discussing the content of season four, which will come out the first episode I plan on releasing uh, at some point at the end of January. Pay no mind to the cute little baby to our left, <laughs> deciding to uh, make her presence known on today's episode. So today, the purpose of, of this episode is to simply tease you guys a little bit about our about season four, and we're just going to address a few of the episodes so we just got some good ones coming up yeah yeah i have about 10 or 11 um and so basically the the season four is going to be addressing the hard sayings of jesus so each episode i'm going to be addressing um something uh, whether it's a word or a phrase from the lord jesus himself that is difficult to understand or difficult to hear as believers or as unbelievers and so uh just quickly i'm just gonna shoot them off real quick um episode 25 will be depart from me i never knew you 26 will be eat my flesh and drink my blood and then i came to bring a sword pluck out your eye and cut off your hand he is guilty of an eternal sin let the bed let the dead bury their own dead fear him who destroys body and soul in hell sell all your possessions you must hate your families to follow me and be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So I have my lovely wife, Carolyn, to join me to kind of briefly discuss a little bit about each phrase. And so the first one that we'll tackle is um, Matthew 7, something that comes out of Matthew 7, verses 22 through 23. Depart from me. I never knew you. Honey, what do you think about that? Well, that's honestly my greatest fear. I think I remember telling you when we were dating, um, you asked me what my greatest fear was. um, And I said something like getting cancer or something, but that was just stemming from my greatest fear of getting to eternity and having him stay depart from me for I never knew you. Um... Because I've always struggled a little bit with assurance, but yeah. Um, yeah, so that'll be a good one. Yeah, I'm really excited about that one because um, even like I've only been saved for about six or seven years. Um, and that phrase, I always was like pointed to Matthew 7 as something that would invoke fear. Like when when you hear a pastor or uh, like a message of the judgment and of hypocrisy uh, or of anything anything along those lines, they always referred to Matthew 7. Um, and so it was always this idea of like provoking fear in you. And obviously like the passage itself will go a little in more in depth with the guests that we have on to discuss that passage. But obviously it should invoke fear because 
where it's essentially saying that Jesus is going to, when we get, when we stand before God, that we're going to be rejected, um, while standing face to face to him. Well, those that don't know him. Yeah. Those who don't know him, but even the passage itself, um, I have it here in front of me. Um, Jesus in verse 22 of Matthew 7, he says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? So I think what <clears throat> what causes or what should cause fear in us or what usually does cause fear in us is that essentially we were we we deceived ourselves because um, Jesus is, is uh, referring to these people who who are claiming um, these incredible righteous deeds um, and claiming for those things to have put them in, in right standing with God. And essentially, I think what causes our, the fear in us is that Jesus says, Jesus essentially says, like, those things didn't allow for me to know you. And so it's just pretty interesting to to think that that um of that what do you think about that like like does that did like growing up did you always have that fear or i know that you mentioned that you struggled with assurance um what were the what were some of the things that allowed you to feel more assured well the things that made me feel more assured was were times that i feel convicted like a little white lie and I have to you know the second I say it I feel a conviction and it feels almost stupid to go to that person and like confess to them um just stuff like that when I am convicted um and yeah maybe just there's that thought of what if I am just fooling myself you know and like not wanting that to be true and wanting to actually have that relationship with him. Um, but I think I know the weakest point for me is not really being in the word that much. Um, which hopefully, um, you know, it's the first time I'm planning to do a Bible in the year. So yeah. pray for me on that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's pretty exciting. Um, honestly, like I personally, true confession I have never read the Bible in a year. Yeah, me neither. Um, I've tried it. Like, I tried it, and I got. I think I got to, like, first or second Kings, um, which was surprising in general. Mm -hmm. But um, I am able to say that I've read the Bible in its entirety because when I was in seminary, I took an Old Testament class, and then I took a New Testament class. And so through that part of the the reading assignments were to read the specific passages or the books that we're going to go over um, during that specific unit. And so technically, I have read the Bible in a, in, not in a year, but like in its entirety. Um, but going back to Matthew, what Jesus says in Matthew 7, um, I don't want to spend too much time because we've already spent a few minutes on this one. Um, but I just, I love the fact, like, Although we've known this passage to to be judge like almost judgmental and to see it as something that should cause a fear, a specific like reverential fear to rise up in you, um, it's also kind of beautiful because here is a righteous God 
who says, depart from me, I never knew you. Meaning, if you flip that on its head, we have an opportunity to know him. Because there will be some where he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Mm -hmm. And just that thought, to me, like when I was kind of, a, <laughs> when I was uh, thinking about this passage, like, like, oh, we, to some, obviously, he'll say, depart from me, but to others, he'll accept and for a holy, righteous God to accept sinful, you know, stiff-necked people, to me, is is something worth discussing. So that's why I included mm -hmm. that one. For sure. All right, moving on. <clears throat> this one um, is pretty difficult for me to grasp as well. Uh, John 6, uh, verses 53 to 56, where Jesus says, he's talking about the Lord's Supper, but he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. I know like right away because we've been in church for a while we'll automatically try to dismiss that and say oh it's it's allegory it's it's simply symbolic but the passage itself describes people who actually leave they they depart because let me let me go to the people passage. who leave the church no people who when jesus says this people actually leave like they walk away because it was too hard for them oh. to understand or to grasp. Like they're thinking it's like cannibalism. Yeah. And even the early church, like in, in church history, um, they, they um, you know, obviously non-believers, people who were attacking the church, they claimed that believers, that Christians were cannibalistic because mm. whenever they, they partook in the Lord's Supper, it was essentially that they were partaking in Jesus's body and blood actual body and blood um let me scroll down to verse 56 so verse 53 says so jesus said to them truly truly i say to you unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood you have no life in yourselves he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and i will raise him up on the last day for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink he who, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and i in him as the living father sent me and i have li and i live because of the father so he who eats me he will also live because of me and then 58 says this is the bread which came down out of heaven not as the fathers ate and died he who eats this bread will live forever wait not as the fathers who ate and died is that what it says this is the verse 58 says this is the bread which came down out of heaven not as the fathers ate and died he who eats this bread will live forever that's confusing it is which is why um <laughs> there's gonna be an episode yeah which is why it's gonna be an episode <laughs> okay. um this is exactly like that's my point is that this is difficult like this is one of the hard sayings of jesus um yeah because he he makes this comparison between obviously jesus is the bread of life and with him saying that he's alluding to an old testament passage where manna like bread literally rained down from heaven and so um, and provided uh, sustenance for the people of Israel um, as they were wandering in the wilderness. And so him calling himself the bread of life is essentially saying, is him essentially saying like, I am that bread from heaven. So it is allegory. So, possibly. Um, well, yeah, to an extent, yes. Um, I'm not sure if allegory is the right word I used. 
um, but essentially not literal. But yeah. there are certain denominations that think it is somewhat literal. Yeah, I know, but I'm not going to call out the denomination because I don't remember exactly which one, but they think that like the communion turns into his flesh and blood. Yeah. Um, and I was always just like, well, wouldn't you taste that? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's different, different. Um, so off the top of my head, I know that in Catholicism, they believe in transubstantiation mm-hmm. that it, the, the, it literally like it transforms into the body and blood of Christ. And then in Luther, like Lutherans believe in consubstantiation, which means that the presence that Jesus is in, through and with in through and with the bread and wine like it's yeah it's like spiritually or something like that sort of i mean we kind of believe that too um like how he's there when we're praying to him yeah i don't know we should save it for the yeah yep we'll save that for the episode (laughs) um yeah so all right next one um matthew 10 verse 34 Paint no mind to the cute little baby. She's included. This is also my guest <laughs> on the Don't Knock It podcast. Representing Irene Ramirez. Welcome, Irene. <laughs> um, so Matthew, Matthew 10, verse 34 says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. She doesn't like that one. She doesn't like that one. <laughs> doesn't like that one um so this one uh i wanted to include because obviously jesus is referred to as the prince of peace and so it's it's pretty difficult to understand him as it almost feels like he's putting himself in a contradiction here that he is indeed the prince of peace but also he himself came part of his ministry was to not bring peace but to bring a sword and obviously that would have to do that would um we have to look at the context context to kind of understand what he was coming from or where he was coming from uh, with that but it's pretty difficult um yeah i mean i feel like some people could just be like well hey like that's a contradiction mm-hmm. you know because there's so much about he's the prince of peace and everything um so right off the bat it seems kind of like hold up what um but yeah i'm looking forward to getting into the meaning of that one yeah i think yeah i won't say too much because the the rest of the passage kind of gives a context so i'll save that for um when that episode comes out uh the next one is one that was pretty again it was when i was reading the gospels when i first came to faith um this was one where i i had to sit with for a while um as well as everyone uh, every every other passage that we've gone over so far and that one is matthew 5 matthew 5 verses 29 through 30 where jesus is talking about 
Let me just read it. Verse 29 says, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of your parts of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. If you right, if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of your parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So on like just as a superficial reading, a lot of people will have difficulty accepting that. Like if my right hand causes me to sin, I'm supposed to cut them off. And obviously there's been a lot of, I mean, quite a few people in history who have taken that literally. Yeah, um, I feel like in some cultures, like if you're caught stealing, yeah. that hand is gone. Um, yeah, it, I mean, even then, like it's interesting that you brought that up because... There were times when I was growing up, if I was caught stealing or if I was caught like saying something wrong or like cussing or anything like that, I was threatened by my parents to either like, they would like threaten to burn my hand. Obviously they never did it, but like as a kid, that would always scare me into mm. uh, obeying mm -hmm. or to never doing it again. They would threaten to like burn my hand or I don't know if your parents ever did this or threaten you with this, but if you had like a foul mouth, if you cussed or anything like that, they would um, threaten to wash your mouth out with mm -hmm. soap. And obviously that would be a very um, unpleasant experience. But um, in that sort of sense, um, I think ultimately what this goes down to, it's obviously not literal, but it does show the severity and uh, of sin. That wasn't me. <laughs> that, that was Irene's burp, everybody welcome welcome this is a family show so welcome to the ramirez household uh, but ultimately like this passage is highlighting um how seriously you should take your sin and what causes you to fall into that sin yeah i guess i always have kind of taken that one as like oh he doesn't really mean literally he means like if you keep looking up videos on youtube like get rid of your smartphone yeah. um but yeah i don't know i can't wait for you to unpack that yeah looking forward to that one okay so moving on next one is uh mark 3 verses 28 through 29 where jesus says truly i say to you all sins shall be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemies they utter but whoever blasphemes against the holy spirit never has forgiveness but he is guilty of an eternal sin so Obviously, as believers, we know that Jesus forgives and he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and or for the atonement of our sins. And this to, to think that there is a sin that is unforgivable almost seems, again, like a like a contradiction that it is mm -hmm. completely at odds with the the whole like narrative of scripture that mm -hmm. there's like what do you mean there's an unforgivable sin like that i'm guilty of an eternal sin how does that work um yeah it's a whole other like level of scary and like oh no have i done that um mm -hmm. but yeah i think that just knowing that what the unforgivable sin is is kind of like it adds to the glory of god like it's that serious that like he's so holy that like that can't that can't be forgiven like wow yeah, yeah and and i mean you worded it um uh, pretty accurately 
accurately there because in verse 29 it says uh, jesus says whoever blasphemes against the holy spirit and so there 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 has been a bunch of conversation of what that could mean what that does mean and obviously like you alluded to already um the immediate thought when we think of an eternal sin is we think of immediately like oh so i wonder if i have done that have i truly blasphemed the holy spirit am i living a condemned life knowing that i could never make that you know knowing that i could never have that sin forgiven so obviously that would that would cause a lot of fear um but again uh we're just kind of just uh bringing up a few um you know a few initial thoughts Mm -hmm. um on each uh on each difficult saying of jesus so the next one so the next one is luke 9 luke 9 verses 59 through 62 luke 9 verses 59 through 62 so jesus is talking about discipleship or the cost of discipleship and in verse 59 he says and he said to another follow me but he said or the guy who who jesus was talking about talking to said lord permit me first to go and bury my father and then jesus responds with allow the dead to bury their own dead but as for you go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of god and then another said also said i will follow you lord but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home and then jesus says no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of god so here jesus like on the surface level jesus is basically telling this guy like don't worry about your father let the dead bury their own dead and he's calling him to do something i guess much more important and that is to go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of god and yeah so what do what do you think what do you think of this one it sounds pretty harsh well originally when you had been planning your episodes for some reason i thought it was like hey let people bury their own dead and then when you just read it i was like oh let the dead bury their own dead um which i assume is like dead in spirit like people who haven't been saved yet Hmm. um like let them worry about it so it's, it's kind of fresh to me right now um it seems a little bit like rough i don't know because it also i don't know the exact scripture reference but it says like there's a time to mourn you know Mm -hmm. um so i don't know maybe like if someone just asked me i'd be like oh maybe it's just like not to get stuck on it forever which is kind of hard i'm sure but yeah, I mean, a, maybe you yeah. can, like, literally, like, I'm sure he's fine with you literally burying people. Yeah. Um, And then you'll obviously always have their memories and think of them, but maybe it's, like, to not... S- <laughs> it's almost time for a bottle. Um, Maybe it's... Oh, I had a good train of thought. Um, The baby did it. <laughs> Maybe it's to not let that stop you from your work in the kingdom of God. Like, Mm. to not let it paralyze you. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. 
I didn't even think, I mean, that spiritual aspect of it, allow the dead to bury their own dead. Um, and so obviously there's like a spiritual aspect to it because um, Jesus is calling him to proclaim the kingdom of God. And he's saying, you know, let the dead worry about their about their own dead. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to kind of get into that one as well. The next one is fun. Um, Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 28. A familiar one. Verse 28, Matthew 10 says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Fun stuff. So, again, a lot of these, it's interesting to note because um, as I'm looking these up, um, Obviously, you have your header, your 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 subheadings, um, at the beginning of each passage, and most of these, if not all, I haven't really been paying attention to the subheadings, but the last four or five have had the subheading of the meaning or the cost of discipleship, and I think that's interesting because it's uh, Jesus with saying these hard sayings. A lot of them are meant to um, cause reflection and cause believers or people who intend on following Jesus to count the cost. This is what it's going to cost you. This is the type of uh, identity and the type of um, dis disciplined life that you are uh, embarking on with following me. And obviously with this one, he's essentially saying not to fear um, man, but to fear God in a, obviously in a reverential way knowing that he is, he is capable of all power and uh, judgment. So, yes, the do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. Yeah, that brings everything into perspective. Yeah, we ha it, it highlights the supremacy of God over any and all enemies. Like, Obviously, Jesus is, is is drawing attention to a... <laughs> she's super fascinated with that lamb. Yeah. Or maybe just the striped. Yeah. She loves stripes. <laughs> Fun fact. Irene Ramirez loves stripes. She is fascinated by them. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I'm really excited about that one because um, that one we'll be discussing the whole idea of hell so because it mentions hell and that god is explicitly the one in charge of destroying people down there mm. is uh that's interesting because i was assuming it was talking about satan being the one who can destroy body and soul no because he's talking about fear and so it says do not fear the one who can kill just the body and not the soul here on oh. earth but rather fear him and the H and him is capitalized. So it's talking about mm. God or the father um, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So God is the one. He's the one. Yeah, um, I've always um, thought that hell was like separation from God. Because mm -hmm. I guess that's what like sin is, is separation between like fellowship. Fellowship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I recently, I don't know if it was you or someone else was saying that like, it's not necessarily separation from him, but it's like getting his judgment. 
Yeah, you're getting the you're you're apart from any ounce of his grace. Mm-hmm. Mm. And we receive we we are able to experience his grace. It's called common grace, whether you're a believer or not or not a believer. You know, the 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 rain falls on the just and the unjust. Mm. You we all experience God's grace on this earth regardless of if we believe or not because we're all gifted like breath. But there that's when his grace is removed and all you experience in hell is judgment his his righteous judgment and so that that one will be fun mm. um because i feel like a lot of people dismiss the idea of i mean this whole story of the bible because of this idea of hell like how could how could god send people to hell if he's supposed to be loving and good and then you know We'll get into that during that episode. So the next one is Matthew 19, verses 21 through 23. So this is his conversation with the rich young ruler. And I'll just read the... He essentially tells him to sell all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 21 says, Jesus said to him, If you wish to be complete or perfect or righteous, depending on what uh, version you're reading... Go and sell all your possessions and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. But when the young man heard this statement, he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And then Jesus says to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So essentially the reason why I made this like a difficult saying or a hard saying of Jesus is because He's telling someone whose identity was tied to his riches and all the things that he's accomplished. And he says, you know what? Sell it all. All of it. Not only that, I need you to, like, from what you sell, I need you to take that money, take those riches, and give it to the poor. And not only that, after you've done those things, I need you to follow me. Yeah, I think that the and... And what comes after the end is the most important part of that because I feel like so many of us, you know, in the Starbucks line, the pay it forward thing, like you can feel so, you get kind of like the warm and fuzzies when you do that for someone. Um, and then it can almost become like, what's your motive? Yeah. Um, is it to pat yourself on the back? And then you can go into a whole train of, can I do anything like that's not selfish ever? Mm -hmm. Um, but not to get too far down that rabbit hole. I just remember hearing that verse in Sunday school and kind of just judging like the rich young ruler being like, dude, seriously, like this is Jesus. Like Mm -hmm. you're stupid. And I think that we can watch movies and do that to like the main character and be like, I can't believe because, like, we know the ending of that story. and But if you, like, really put yourself in those shoes and you've got, like, you know, a nice house in Southern California, everything, and you literally sell it, donate all the money, and you become homeless mm-hmm. and follow Jesus. Yep. You become one of his disciples following him around, um, not having a, you know a pillow to lay your head on. Um, yeah, it's, 
like I said, like it's interesting. I just thought of this right now. Like when we're t- we've been kind of discussing these, is that most, if not all, of these are regarding discipleship. Of all of the hard sayings. Yeah, all of the hard sayings mm-hmm. are to like believers, which is interesting. Well, like obviously the rich young ruler didn't become a believer, but he was telling he was telling the disciples of that interact. Mm. Like I think it was a parable. Um, I'm not too sure, actually. But all of everything that Jesus said was was to proclaim or to send a message to... Or it was it was to proclaim something, and it was for a specific teaching because um, he was calling people to follow him. And so, yeah, I just thought that was pretty interesting that uh, most of these hard sayings were to those who were potentially, if not already, following him. Like, hey, this is this is a standard. The standard is death, death um, of yourself so that you may follow me. Oh, would you say that that kind of goes along with every one of these is like death to self? Yeah. Like to a lot of them. I haven't really. Yeah. I mean, most of them, most of them has, they have to have a level of humility. I was going to say before you said that, like. Oh, maybe each of these is kind of addressing a heart issue, like a different mm-hmm. heart issue within the believer and, you know, potentially to people he's calling on as well who haven't answered yet. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, following the line of, of the cost of discipleship, we head to the second to last one in Luke 14, Luke 14, verse 26 where Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Hold up. Yeah. I thought, I thought the message was about love. Yep. There's, it's a certain type of love. Mm. It's an exclusive type of love. And obviously, I don't think... Here, here's like another, like with the superficial reading of the scriptures, you can think, you can read this one and then read the Ten Commandments and mm-hmm. say like, wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. One of the commandments is um, honor your father and your mother. And here Jesus himself is saying, you must hate your father and your mother and your wife and your children and your brothers and your sisters. And yes, even your own life to follow me. That seems like an apparent contradiction. And so the the purpose of that episode was will be to basically um unpack what it means to hate like is Mm. the hebrew you know middle eastern first century palestine definition of hate what we as 21st century believers western believers view as hate are they the same thing and and the whole idea of discipleship what does it mean to be a disciple what do you think about that? I never ever thought to question my understood definition of hate. Um, mm-hmm. I was going to be like, oh, it's like, you know, in comparison to your love for me, it'll look like hate. Yeah. I mean, that's ultimately. Kind of where that's going. Yeah. Um, but I think that's interesting to um, maybe when you hit hard passages to like, look at the what the definition meant when that was written mm-hmm. 
And maybe even verses that you think you understand. Look it up for fun anyways. Yeah. All right. So the last one, the last one um, is Matthew 5, 48, where Jesus says, therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Okay. Is there more context? Because... <laughs> We know that no no one's perfect. No, not one. I don't know what verse that is, but I know it is one. Yeah, so um, it is, it's uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew 5, 6, and 7 are Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Um, and it's obviously at the end of chapter 5. And um, there's several different lessons and teachings that Jesus gives on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but I guess I'll just, I'll read the first, like the, the couple verses before that, uh, where he says, For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So I'm reading from the NASB, um, but I know that um, the word itself, um, translated from uh, translated into the English, uh, perfect, is the root word where we get uh, tetelestai, like it is finished, um, or it is complete, or you are made mature. So I'm su- I'm sure the context is saying, um, yeah, it's just yeah, <laughs> it's just difficult. Like this mm-hmm. is the reason why I wanted to make these episodes because um, obviously it'll be further down the line. But as people, or maybe depending on your Bible reading plan you may be getting into the New Testament early on. So if you come across Matthew 5 and you're like, and you're like, what? Like, I'm, I'm supposed to be perfect as, he- as my heavenly father is perfect? Like, how is... <laughs> She's laughing she enjoys, she enjoys when I host. Mm. <laughs> um, but this is a difficult saying. And I know, I guess the purpose of me putting together this season is not just to find essentially like play devil's advocate as a christian and be like you know what you're like and like to challenge christians mm-hmm. um and because it, it that's very easy to do uh, like to put put together all of the hard sayings of jesus and say do you really love this savior like do you really love him here's here's all of the tough sayings do you really like after hearing all of these these hard sayings do you still love him and want to follow him but ultimately like i want people who do claim to be christians or just followers of jesus to really address these hard sayings um and to like be aware of them yeah mm-hmm. to be aware of them because like i mentioned before and i'll mention here again a lot of them <clears throat> a lot of them stem from uh, passages passages where Jesus is calling his disciples to act different, act differently than the world, to be distinguished, a distinct people set apart for his own pleasure. And if you get to these sayings in a Bible reading plan or in your own reading, in your own personal devotional reading, and you you don't know what to make of them, I'm I'm concerned that it'll cause believers to stumble because they've never been uh, made aware of them and so that's simply that's kind of like the heart behind it is that i want them to i want people to be fully devoted to jesus 
for everything and for everything that he is not just not just because he's the best person ever <laughs> so that's basically what i intend to accomplish um through this season and i i you know we'll just we'll pray and we'll see what god does how god works through this season um i'm excited to um have different guests on addressing these different uh misconceptions and yeah i'm just really excited about it um got new equipment um got a new setup and i'm excited to uh dive into these difficult topics um so that we may know our lord and worship him in a more in a way that glorifies him the most yeah i can't wait for uh all these conversations and i know some of the guests that we have and are hoping for so i can't wait yeah looking forward to it all right so that's that's it for your season four teaser stay tuned in thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the don't knock it podcast um, where we encourage you to delight in Christ before dismissing him, to know him before knocking him. If you want to know more about this podcast, uh, you can find us on Instagram. And if you haven't already, please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Or you can leave a review or a question you'd like for me to unpack on a future episode. Thank you all for listening. I'm your host, Chris Ramirez. Grace and peace, family. <laughs>